If I had done nothing, if I had stayed under the influence and not become aware of myself, not take the time to find me, find what I meant for, if I clung to that baggage that I was carrying around, I would still be in the same spot, full of thumbtacks, in worse shape than I am now. Hey there, I'm Renee, a self-proclaimed shopaholic turned minimalist. In just three years, my family and I downsized our house, paid off debt, and I learned to make passive income online so I could work anytime, anywhere. We did all of this in pursuit of a life of more freedom, flexibility, and fun. And the crazy part is, the more I detached from my stuff, the more I was able to let go of pesky habits like people-pleasing, saying yes to everyone, and being who I thought I was supposed to be rather than showing up authentically as who I am. That's why I want you to see the Unstuffed podcast not as a place for all things decluttering and organizing, but rather as a place where together we can unload it all. From donating those pants that no longer fit to bidding adieu to those relationships that have run their course, I want you to see our time together as a time where you can unwind, let go, come as you are, and there is no need to apologize for the mess. So let's shed some layers, drop some dead weight, and start living a little less stuffed. Welcome to the Unstuffed Podcast. Hey there, welcome back to the Unstuffed Podcast. I don't think I welcomed you in last week and I give you my sincerest apologies. But if you're tuning in, I want to first stop you and remind you that this is a part two episode. So if you missed part one, go back and listen to it because it was a doozy. Not only do I share with you in part one, the self-help book and the specific paragraph from a book that helped changed my life and sparked my minimalist journey. But I shared with you the real reason why I started decluttering my closet. From there, I take you through how I took my minimalist journey and self-transformation journey onto Facebook. And now from Facebook, I have wanted to walk you through the next thing I did, which was let people be who they are. So at the end of part one, I gave you the prompt to think of three people in your lives, in your life, a friend, a parent, and an enemy. And I wanted you to think of something that those people would say good about you and something you think that those people might say that's negative about you. So I encourage you to kind of marinate in that. And if you listened to part one, which I hope you did, you've had a week to mull it over in your mind which is absolutely perfect because I want you to think about all of the things that you put together, all of the things that you think that those people would say good about you and the things that you think those people would say bad about you. And I want you to bring it into today's episode. Now, first of all, the thing that I want you to ask yourself, which is pretty obvious, I would think, is would all of these people describe me in the same way? Would they all say the same things about you? Would all of these people have the same things that they want to change about you? Probably not, right? For example, maybe a parent would say something like, oh, my kid has such a sweet soul. 
They don't show the world that sensitive side of them, but I see it. But they never respond to my text messages. I'd fix that for sure, right? Sounds like, sounds like a typical mom answer. Maybe a friend would say, oh, this person always has my back. They would throw down in a fight to defend me. They're so good at texting me back. <laughs> kind of sensitive at times though. I change that a little bit. They need to toughen up a bit. And then maybe an enemy would say, oh, this person is so full of themselves. They don't care about anybody else but themselves. I block their text messages. I don't want to hear from them, <laughs> right? Every single person in our life, friend, parent, enemy, teacher, spouse, partner, they're all going to have something different to say about us and who we are. So I want you to question today that is each of these people can define who we are, who you are in a totally different way than maybe none of it's really true. If none of these things are for sure who we are, it's really all just in the perception of the person who is experiencing us. This reminds me of my oldest daughter, our, my oldest stepdaughter, Mary Jane. She talked about during their last trip through Europe, how they got to go to the Picasso Museum and how when they were reading about it, it was saying this Picasso is a genius. He's got masterpieces, works of art. And the entire time she could barely keep herself from <laughs> laughing. And I didn't understand this because I've seen pieces of Picasso's art. And yes, I know that they're different, but oh, I wish I could show you. Picasso has some works of art out there that are can really only be described as stick figure drawings that look like a child drew them. And she couldn't stop laughing, even though Picasso is Picasso and he is seen as this masterpiece, genius, best artist of his time, you know? To her, it was just plain funny, just humorous, right? We are all going to interpret everything, everyone differently. No one person is going to see things the same way. We are all only living in the eye of each beholder that we come across, which means everyone we know is only a reflection of our own perceptions. See how I'm starting to get deeper here? If you tuned in for part one, you're like, oh, here we go. Because I shared with you that I needed to peel away the layers, but I didn't know how, so I just started in my closet. But as I kept going, I was able to get deeper. And that's where we're at today. As I began to realize and understand this, that we are all only other people's perceptions of us, I began to realize that that meant the exact same thing for me, that everyone was only a reflection of my own perception. So I started letting go of who I thought other people had to be. Now, I've already shared with you a little bit, major daddy issues here, right? And for a good chunk of my life, I had this belief that a dad is supposed to be a person who blank. A dad is supposed to be a person who shows up and supports you and is there for you all the time, right? A mom is supposed to be unconditional loving, 
always sweet and kind, the person you can turn to. A brother is supposed to be supportive, got your back, defend you, you know, scare away the boyfriends, whatever it might be. Same thing with a sister. A sister should be this way. A spouse should be this way. A boss should be this way. A teacher should be this way. I want my child to be this way. We're all walking around with these well-meaning perceptions of how we think other people should be, especially in their roles. Like I said, right? We give everybody these roles because they are this role in our life and we need them to meet it. We want them to meet it. And these things aren't wrong. These expectations aren't necessarily wrong. It's just what we want, what we crave, what we wish we had. But none of it's real. No one on the entire earth is supposed to be anything other than who they are. And that is including you. If you don't want to live up to everyone else's idea of who you should be, then it's time to let everyone else off of the hook and start seeing them for who they are and allowing it. Because think about it for a second. Think about how many roles you play in your life. For me, I'm mom, friend. I did I homeschooled my kids for a while. I was teacher. I'm wife. I'm stepmom. I'm neighbor. I'm so many different roles to so many different people that it is quite literally impossible for me to play the perfect role in each of these people's lives. It's not possible. Now, the first step is letting yourself off the hook and understanding this, right? And we can start doing that with those baby steps of not agreeing with everything that everyone else is saying and not worrying about what they want us to wear or how they want us to dress and just doing it for ourselves. And once we get good at that, the absolute next step is to do it for them. To just see them for who they are, to allow them to be who they are without us interjecting or needing to tweak anything. And it's so important to attempt to remind ourselves that people are not good. They are not bad. They just are. They just are. We are all just showing up as a mix of all the things. If someone could say that we are bad, terrible, God, awful person from just the depths of hell. <laughs> and someone else could say, we're an angel sent from heaven. We're such a blessing. We're so amazing. One person can define us as bad. One person can define us as good. Then that means we really aren't either. We are only a reflection of their perception. Now, P.S., you can still see these people in a neutral light and know that spending time with them isn't healthy for you, right? So this doesn't mean I'm saying, love everyone, see the good and all, right? Let them off the hook for all of the things. No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying you don't need to spend your time or your energy trying to get them to be someone they're not. Try seeing them for who they are and when you can do that, you might see if the, who they are fits with who you are and what you need. And if it doesn't, then let it go. And that's okay. Doesn't mean you need to hate them. Doesn't mean you need to bash them across social media or to all your friends. It just means who they are, who your perception is of them doesn't fit with who you are. 
and that's okay. These are boundaries. Boundaries are so important. We're not letting people off of the hook, you know, by allowing them to be who they are, you're giving yourself a gift so that you can focus more on who you are rather than obsessing about who you wish that they were. I recently saw a TikTok about a girl who went through the process of tracking all of the popular girls in her school, in her high school. Like she's out of school now. She went through the process of tracking all of the girls she went to high school with to see which MLMs they are now a part of. And she broke it down into like data categories, like pie charts, bar graph, like really intense organization. And all I could think was, oh man, like these, I, I think it's safe to assume she wasn't a fan of many of these people, right? She was talking about like, let's tear the popular girls a new hole, right? Let's tear them a new one. Talking about what MLMs they're a part of. <laughs> but when we do things like that, because this girl had to have spent hours scouring their Facebooks, their Instagrams, figuring out who they married. I mean, she had some really deep information on these popular girls. But all I could think was, you clearly didn't care for them. You clearly didn't like them. And you want to, you know, make a mockery of them here. But all you're doing is spending your time and your energy focusing on them and thinking about them, which takes me right back to the whole mean girl topic, right? Despite the fact that the whole school couldn't stand Regina George, everyone couldn't stop talking about her. When we do this, when we become obsessed with other people and how they're living, we remove ourselves from being the star of our own show. Life is short. And it's way too short to spend our time obsessing over other people, how they're doing, what they're doing, how they're not doing it good enough. And start being the star of your own movie, which brings me to my next thing, which is just owning that main character energy, as the kids call it these days. When I first read that book, Wishes Fulfilled, Wayne Dyer, back in 2014, I thought, I want to do that. I want to do what he does. Not just, I want to live an extraordinary life. I want to do specifically what Wayne Dyer is doing. I want to be an author, speaker, life changer. I want to do all of those things. I want to use my voice to encourage people to show up and to do the damn thing and to take their life by the horns and be brave, do it all. I want to encourage that. And then my next thought, of course, was, oh, I can never do that. I don't have a PhD. I didn't go to high school. I didn't go to college. I don't have a degree like he does. Nobody wants to hear my voice. What do I have to say? But why was my reasoning? Why did I want to do this? Why did I want to <sighs> encourage people to live their life and not obsess about what everybody else is doing? Because I saw so many people waste the potential with their lives. My dad died when I was 19, which is something I share a lot about. He died from alcoholism. And I was too late to say goodbye to him at the hospital. I came into his room, saw him laying there on the bed, and my grandma was with him, which was just natural, and I allowed her that, right? We maybe spent an hour, hour or two in that room with him. I don't even know. It was a blur. 
And I had so many thoughts go through my head. Thoughts like, how is this happening? My dad was like a superhero. He's not supposed to be gone. He's supposed to be here forever. Parents aren't supposed to leave us. They just stay forever. Even though I was 19, and I knew that on some fundamental level that our parents are going to be gone at some point, I never really knew it. You know, and it hurt and it stung. And I thought, no, dad was going to move up north. He was going to do so many things. He wanted to walk me down the aisle, all of these things that he was going to do. And even though our relationship was broken, I still couldn't help but feeling robbed, right? So as I'm sitting with all of these thoughts swirling through my mind, feeling totally robbed of my experience and time with my dad, robbed of the dad I thought I should have, my grandma walked past me on her way out of the uh, on her way out of the hospital room, and she just mumbled under her breath, "What a waste! What a waste!" She said. And I know what she meant because my dad was so charismatic. He was so full of life. He was so funny. He could turn anything into an adventure. He was truly amazing at it, and he let alcohol take it all away. All of it was gone at the age of 43. And now I know addiction is a whole other thing, a whole other topic. But in my mind at that time, I decided right then and there that I would never let a thing control me. I would never let a thing take away my option in life. I would never let a thing stop me from showing up and doing everything that I ever wanted in one life. And then you know what happened? I kept losing other people in my life and telling myself a very similar story. My husband's Uncle Mike, my stepdad, Brian, both passed. Uncle Mike moved away and started living the life he wanted just before he died. And Brian got a terminal brain diagnosis, terminal cancer diagnosis, and then started living the life as best he could on chemo. And all I could do observing these losses, these people, was tell myself that life was way too important for us to not step into that main character energy Life is too important for us to not be who we want to be and to step fully into it. And life is way too important for us to let any stupid, insignificant thing like alcohol, drugs, stuff, shopping, get in the way of us doing the things that we feel called to do that go beyond ordinary living. Now, here's my first mistake, right? When my dad passed, I was like, YOLO, you only live once. That was how I interpreted it. I'm going to spend my money on whatever I want. I'm going to enjoy instant gratification on all the things. To me, that was what YOLO living meant. I was so wrong because all of those things that I did inadvertently, uh, not inadvertently, yeah, caused me heartache. They caused more problems for me in my life. They made my day-to-day -day life hell because I gave into my impulse buys all of the time. Every other day, I was stressed financially and strapped for cash. When my kids needed something or wanted to buy their friends a birthday gift, I was in a panic because I didn't have $20 to go to Target and buy a toy for a kid for their birthday. Or if they needed to go on a field trip, I would panic because I didn't have $30 to give them for a field trip because I had YOLO'd my life. But then I realized that wasn't really YOLOing, that wasn't really living, right? It was the opposite of living. This is why I want to tell you. No more YOLO living. If you have that mindset of YOLO living, it's whatever I want, whenever I want, as quick as I want, when I want, and I get it, right? That's not YOLO. That's not really living. I'm talking main character energy. I'm talking hero story, the thing that Pixar movies are made of. 
And if you've ever watched a Pixar movie, they all start with a hero story. They all start with some sort of obstacle or thing that a main character of the movie has to overcome. Don't let your struggles be the reason that you stop or don't let them be the reason that you hold yourself back. What struggles here are you facing? And how can you use that to be a hero story? How could you write a main character story for yourself? What can you do to overcome the odds, even though you're maybe dealt a crappy hand? Cue inspirational music, Rocky music. Da -da, da -da, da. <laughs> also, I'm a big fan of playing inspirational music like that for yourself when you're feeling low. I'm a big fan of the Pirates of the Caribbean theme. It just makes you feel good, I promise. But using your struggles, creating your own hero story, and then asking yourself, what do I want to leave behind? Not what can I get out of this life before I'm dead? Because the thing is with YOLO living, you're really living for death. You're living out of the fear of death. You're afraid death is coming, so you're trying so hard to grasp life, but you're not really living. What do you want to leave behind? Not what do you want to take, but what do you want to leave behind? And you will leave something behind no matter what. No matter what, no matter if you choose to intentionally show up for your life or you choose to not intentionally show up for your life, you are going to leave something behind and everyone's going to perceive it differently. Hamilton, right? Something about that in Hamilton. Our legacy is something we leave behind and everyone will interpret it differently. But what do you want to have felt that you left behind? Why not choose intentionally what that is rather than just allowing it to unfold however life happens to you? Step into what you want to be, who you want to be, and understand that that voice of self-doubt is probably not yours. It's probably some of the BS influence that you've been fed your entire life, handed down to you. Which brings me to the question, okay, well then how do I know what's right for me, right? It's so difficult to weigh through all of those voices, especially, like I said, I wore the color pink for an entire four years and I had no idea it was because of my daddy issues. I didn't figure it out until later, way later. How do we know what's right for us? How do we know what the next move is? And remember I told you, 10 seconds. 10 seconds will tell us so much about other people, but will also tell us so much about ourselves. I recently heard about this story when I was looking up information on intuition. I heard a story about a study that was done on college professors. They had 10 second snippets of college professors and they showed them to a control group of people. And they had these people instantly leave reviews on how successful they thought these professors were as far as their teaching ability. 10 second clip, leave your review, move on to the next one, right? The thing that they found was that the people who rated the professors, their reviews, their 10 second review, lined up with what the students had rated their teachers, their professors at after the semester. So when they do semester reviews, everything the students put together lined up accurately with the people who only saw 10 seconds of the professor, which means in 10 seconds, they knew whether this professor was going to be effective or not. But here's the crazy part. 
They did this same thing, but instead of just giving people 10 seconds, they gave them the 10 second clip and then they encouraged them to take one minute to explain their reasoning. Why did you choose this for this professor? Is it their body language? Is it the way they moved? What was it that made you make this choice? And when the people were given an extra minute to deliberate and think about it, their scores were off. They became different. Because the longer we take to think or try or work at something, this is the theme of my whole life. The longer we focus on something, the more we give ourselves the opportunity to talk ourselves out of things or to give ourselves excuses for why we should or shouldn't do something. But I'm promising you, I'm telling you, those first 10 seconds of you getting an idea or being inspired to take action, those 10 seconds are you. If you meet someone and instantly you're going, oh my gosh, there's something about this person. Try trusting that 10 seconds. Turn to those first 10 seconds and start learning to trust them. It will align you so much with that main character energy. It reminds me of Mel Robbins' five-second rule, where you just shut down your brain before it has time to talk you out of it. Now, doing this, of course, takes practice, but it is effective, let me tell you. I can think back on times in my life when those 10 seconds kicked in and I should have listened. When my mom introduced me to my current stepdad, she was still married to my other stepdad at the time. She said, I want you to meet my friend. And instantly I was like, ew, something feels off here. And when she told me she was getting divorced, I knew exactly why. I knew it was for this other guy, right? I knew it. I was nine and I knew it. I knew it the first time I got married. Nothing against him, nothing against our relationship. And that's what made it so hard is because I was genuinely happy, but something in me was saying, no, this isn't right. But I did it anyway. And then the same thing happened before we moved into our big dream house, the big dream house that I'm sure you've heard me talk about a thousand times at this point, something in me felt off and I did it anyway. All of these times, my first 10 seconds were real. They were big. They were my intuition speaking to me. Practice listening to yourself in these first 10 seconds. Even when you come, when it comes to picking out clothing in the morning, you can do it as simple as that, right? We don't have to start big. When you go to pick out an outfit, just ask yourself, what do I want to wear? I want to wear this, grab it, put it on. Don't even talk about it. I'm sure there's certain rules that you have to obey when you're going to work and we can't wear your pajamas, okay? But pick the next best thing. You know what I'm saying? The better you get at listening, the more you will be guided toward what I call thumbtacks in life. I use the example of thumbtacks because when I was younger, I used to clean my room. I used to play this game with myself when I cleaned my room. I would observe the mess all over my bedroom floor, the heaps and piles of garbage, <laughs> not garbage, but like clothing piles, school books, all over my floor. I would stand on my light switch and would look around my room and go, okay, I can jump there, there, there. I would chart a course for myself on how to jump and dodge these piles of clutter taking up the space in my room. I would turn off the lights, jump on the piles, and jump into my bed. That was my game. And I'd be so proud of myself, like, oh, hooray, I dodged all the piles. But sometimes I didn't make it. 
Sometimes I stepped on a thumbtack. I can't tell you there was an insane amount of thumbtacks on my floor. I would drop them and be like, eh, well, can't find that. It's lost me forever until I step on it someday. I just, I just accepted the fact that I would be stepping on thumbtacks in my messy, messy bedroom. Because I used thumbtacks to like put up posters and hang up stuff. Because my, my family would say, like, oh, we'll totally help you hang stuff up with nails. But if they took anything longer than five minutes, I just did it myself with thumbtacks. And I love this about myself. Just take it in my own hands. I was going to take charge lady. I'm not going to wait for anybody. I will come up with a makeshift option and thumbtacks for it. But I would drop them all the time. And because my room was a mess, I wouldn't find them until I stepped on them. This reminds me of a story that I heard Wayne Dyer tell about a person who had a pin stuck in their pocket that was jamming into their leg. And this person just went through the process of like adapting to this pin. They started taking Tylenol to curb the pain. Maybe it started really shutting down their whole life, so they got a brace to wear because it was really causing them a lot of angst and pain. Their whole life started cramping up. Maybe they talked about getting amputated. Gotta get my leg cut off. It's in so much pain. And someone said, why don't you just pull out the pin? You know? And it sounds so dumb because we think if we had a pin sticking in our pocket, of course we would pull it out. We wouldn't just take time and all. But yeah, we do it so often in our lives. And I quite literally did it with thumbtacks on my bedroom floor. The more you learn and hear that intuition, learn what your likes are and step into that main character energy, the more you won't be able to deny those thumbtacks that you have in your life, whether you're currently ready to admit it to yourself or not. Maybe it's a secret that needs to be told that's weighing on you, something you're not telling somebody. Maybe it's a person who needs to be forgiven, right? You need to let them let go of whatever issues you're holding on to. A relationship that has to end, a job that needs to be pursued or let go of. And in my case, it was a house that needed to be sold. Downsizing our house meant going against the grain of society. I like to think of what, what, what are people gonna think? What will my neighbors think? And it doesn't matter because they will always have different perceptions of me that never really feel truly aligned with who I believe myself to be. And at that point, I no longer cared. I no longer cared. I just wanted to embrace my life. Downsizing gave me the space and the capacity to align with my main character energy. I gave myself permission to do it and asked myself, what kind of influence do I want to leave on the world? You cannot make the impact you want to make until you are ready to become totally untethered. Until you are ready to pull out the thumbtacks. And I want you to remember that there are two kinds of uncomfortable in life. Uncomfortable living with thumbtack, right? That kind of uncomfortable living where you're going, I'm just going to pretend like it's not there. Something feels off about the situation, but I'm good. I'll just ignore it, right? Or me, YOLO living, getting everything I wanted instantly while feeling consistently stressed and broke, broke my whole life. Thumbtack. Uncomfortable with thumbtack. And then there's uncomfortable pulling it out. <sighs> because it hurts to pull it out. All right, it's going to take a while to recover. Still going to suck a little bit, but you give yourself this opportunity to live a life thumbtack free. And you know, in 10 seconds or less, 
which kind of uncomfortable you're dealing with. You can deal with some with thumbtack uncomfortable or thumbtack free uncomfortable. Nearly a decade ago, I caught a glimpse of the influence I was meant to leave. I caught a glimpse of it through Wayne Dyer. I had a lot of baggage to unpack to get to the place in my life where I finally feel like I'm doing what I was originally called to do. But the truth is, I was called to do a lot and to learn the lesson of letting go, to learn to become completely detached to the baggage that I had been hauling around and to pull out the thumbtacks in my life. This is what gets most of us is time. It will take so much time. Oh my God, she didn't get what she wanted until she was almost 40, gross. Yeah, I'm almost 40. Yeah, it took me this long. But here's the thing, if I had done nothing, if I had stayed under the influence and not become aware of myself, not take the time to find me, find what I meant for, if I clung to that baggage that I was carrying around, I would still be in the same spot full of thumbtacks, in worse shape than I am now. My marriage, I guarantee it would have ended. I would be so angry, bitter, broke, probably in the worst physical shape of my life. There would be no hero story. I would have gone absolutely nowhere and I would still be almost 40. And what legacy would I have left behind if I never started working to find myself by decluttering my closet that day? Well, I'd have a hell of a shoe collection. There's that. I would leave that behind. And what would people say about me if I died? Oh, she was pretty. She had some cute clothes. She liked all the same things that I liked. <laughs> kind of empty, kind of hollow. But what would I hope that they would say now? Now, what do I hope people say? What do people show up in my DMs and my emails every day and say? She inspired me to follow my intuition and not get in over my head financially. I was able to afford my first home because of her. She helped me kick my addiction. She used her gifts and her talent and didn't waste them. Her life was not a waste. We are all capable of choosing the influence we leave behind if we are first willing to be uninfluenced by all the stuff that we are currently clinging to. Hey again, thanks so much for hanging out with me today on the Unstuffed Podcast. It means so much that you chose to carve out some of your precious time just to hang out with me. If you aren't quite ready for our time to end, head to the show notes where you can grab my free declutter checklist, join my newsletter subscription, and connect with me on some of your favorite social platforms. Sending you so much love until next time.